This episode is exclusively sponsored by Manifest Commerce, helping merchants with earth-friendly e-commerce fulfillment. I haven't talked about this with anyone, but we do this in our company recently where we try something and it doesn't work. And then I think to myself, shit, I should have listened to what I tell artists when I do talks about how I got going in music or whatever. And I think the key is, is you need to remember what the goal is for you. We're not just trying to have a good month. If you're looking to up your startup marketing game, you're in the right place. This podcast will help you simplify, prioritize, and see big wins from your marketing efforts. Every week, you'll hear from some of the world's best venture-backed startup founders, marketing leaders, and startup experts about marketing, brand, growth, what's working well, challenges, and how crazy and fun marketing can be when you're at a high-growth startup. See ya inside. Welcome back, everybody, to the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast. Today, I have with me Mark Brown. Mark is founder of Bita. Before that, Mark was the owner of Four, which is an independent promotion company. And Mark has actually worked with bands you might have heard of, like Spoon and Yoko Ono and Wilco and more, uh, trying to get them on the radio and on TV. So with Vita, Vita was founded in 2015, has about nine people, and is based out of Calgary in Canada. And on the funding side, they've raised seed funding, $1.4 million. And I want to just let people know what this platform is. So Vita is a SaaS platform that's enabling everyone to send and receive digital audio in a very clean, simple, and secure way. And so they're helping music artists, they're helping their teams, they're helping the collaborators share streams, music streams and downloads quickly and securely so that artists can share new mixes and rough demos really fast. So welcome to the show, Mark. Happy to have you. Thanks so much. Great to be here. I'm a little intimidated that you have very smart marketing people and I'm like an amateur. Oh, do not be intimidated. I bring on all sorts of people on here and no intimidation. We're a very open, open podcast, open conversation. You're doing some really cool things at your company. So I just want to help people understand what that is. And I was actually really intrigued to talk to you because you're coming from the music industry. I love music. Who doesn't love music, right? And you're also SaaS company, so it's music plus tech. So there is a natural creativity that's just going to weave through your marketing. I think I'm going to find that as I talk to you and as I've talked to you already and what kind of cool content marketing efforts you're working on, that's going to come through in this episode as well. So I am excited to dive in. Me too. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get to it then. So let's talk about your content marketing efforts. Can you tell me more about what's working really well? What's the goal with some of these? I know before we jumped into this this session, I learned about some of these different channels. And maybe you can talk through some of them. Like you've got some events going. You've got some interview series going. You have a website. You're really trying to bring up your authority on music, everything music. So talk to me about your content marketing. Okay, so as you explained, Vita is a platform for sending and receiving digital audio. And so if you work in 
the music ecosystem, as we call it. So that could be smaller artists or people who work at record labels or managers, anything like that. That's what they do all they don't all day long. They send and receive audio files and streams. Say ten years ago it was just CDs. So you'd think you put a CD in a jiffy bag, you put it in the mail, you'd send it to people, they'd listen to it. And so as we've moved into digital, things have become a bit more complicated. It's easier to send and receive digital audio. It's way harder to keep track of it. It's a very messy process. So, and this could be even be for podcasters, you know, you're sending mixes back and forth. It's the same challenges. And so we built this product based on the fact that I worked, I've worked in music my whole life and our team has music background. And we built this product because we knew there was a problem. But what we didn't do was we didn't think, oh, how are we going to market this product? <laughs> so we started as a side project. We sort of iterated it along, built an MVP. And then at some point we're like, oh, like how on earth are we going to market this? Because originally people think, oh, it's B2B. And then that means it's super dry marketing, all this kind of stuff. So we came to the realization that a lot of people, the problems that they have sending files around, like, oh, I can't find the link or somebody sent me the wrong file format, all that kind of stuff. That you had to prompt people to talk about their frustrations because usually they wouldn't, they wouldn't just say, oh yeah, I hate that. I get really frustrated. And so we came along this idea that, oh, like maybe we should interview people about how they find and listen to digital music because it's a lot different than it was, you know, back in the non, in the analog days. And it's a lot more nuanced than people give the digital world credit for in the sense that, oh yeah, everybody doesn't just listen to music on Spotify or on Apple Music or only listens to music on vinyl, doesn't even use the internet. So it's a way more nuanced view of the world. And so, and this, again, this is about discovery, music discovery. And so we started this interview series called How We Listen. And we started running it, it was a couple years ago, where what we do is we talk to people, interview them every week on our blog about how they find and listen and experience new music. And through that, we wanted to tell this narrative that everybody does things differently. You don't have one way of finding out about music. There are many ways to do it. And so... I wasn't thinking, oh, this is content marketing. I didn't really use all the terms that people would you know, use in marketing. But that's essentially what it was. We started doing a little content marketing. and Is it just your, on your blog? Or like, what do you do with the recording since you're, you're interviewing people? Are you recording that content? Or is it just no, written? We, we weren't even doing that. We were just doing like a, a normal Google Sheet. Because we thought, oh, oh, and we just started doing it every the week. And then somebody got in touch and said, I live in Sweden. The company's based in Canada, but we're a distributed team. So they're like, oh, come to Canada and do like a hosted version of this panel live. I went to uh, this place called Ottawa. It was me hosting a panel with three other people talking about how they listen to music. So it was someone from a record label, how they find new artists, someone who worked in the media. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Like, this is sort of an overall general challenge people have in music. It's like, how do people find music if they work in and around music? And if I'm a new artist, how do I connect with these people? Because that's ultimately the goal. You're trying to connect with wider and wider groups of people. So I did a handful more of those panels and stuff, hosting them, went, went to New York, a couple more in Canada. and then. 
we realized, oh, okay, there's something here. So why don't we, why don't we do a microsite? And of course we stole that from uh, Basecamp. So they, they, you know, they have that. Whole, so I'm like, okay, great idea. We'll, we'll do a microsite. I think it's 13 signals, whatever. So we started doing those every week. Then we started doing the panels, so live events. And then a year ago, or no, maybe about six months ago, I'm like, okay, I've got an idea. Let's do a monthly event where we do it on Zoom and I bring on someone who talks in detail for like an hour about something related to this subject of how we listen. And then it was like, oh, okay, well, this is sort of working. So now what do we do? Again, more content if, if you're a marketing expert. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's, we can chop up the content. So we do the online event every month. Then we send it out as an audio version. We're going to put it up as a podcast. Then we do the transcript, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's basically the story of I didn't, working in music, you do all these things. You have marketing channels like you would have in, in a traditional marketing world. But it's uncool to talk about marketing channels and music. <laughs> but as soon as you get into tech, it's like, okay, you need to know all your channels, what the hell's going on with all of them. And so that's essentially this idea of how we listen, which is essentially the knowledge side of our business. So beta is a tool for sending and receiving digital audio. And how we listen is this knowledge that people need to understand the context around sending music to people, how people discover music. And so this how we listen thing, we just stumbled onto it because we needed to tell people about our company and deliver a narrative that was important to us. But then it turned out that it fits from a marketing point of view. It fits so many marketing channels. It's very effective because in a startup, you don't have a lot of time. So using content and getting it out to people in different ways has paid off in quite a few ways. And so like SEO is probably one of our biggest acquisition channels because of it. Tell me more about SEO. Is that because you're now you've got this content, you've got the recorded session, like the Zoom that you're doing, monthly event, right? You talk to someone for one hour, put it into your podcast, create the transcript, chopping up the content. Like, what are you doing with SEO? Is that your blog post? Yeah, what well, we do. So we're pretty good on the technical SEO side. And then the key was to get some content with the right keywords and get all that going. And now we're in the process of moving into the stage where we're scaling up that even more because it's you got to be very, very organized. And people in the music business are, are notoriously disorganized. So, we're, you know, there's a lot of organization going on. But the SEO situation is, is that in our company, and I, you were talking about this um, a couple of weeks ago, we Ramley about uh, product-led growth and all that kind of stuff. And for us, there are loads of companies that we know to contact from, say, a sales point of view. Like there's somebody with an email address where you're familiar with, the, uh, with who the company is. But the big challenge for us is the most, the largest amount of people we want to reach are artists that you don't know who they are. They're not people that you can look up on LinkedIn. And so we were always thinking, okay, well, if we can get a bit of SEO going, people looking, if we can connect ourselves with what they're looking for, maybe we'll be on to something. And that's why it started to work because we're pumping out content that is interesting to people if they work around music and then keywords around sharing music, all that kind of stuff. We're starting to rank even better and better because 
our content fits and we're onto the right keywords. That makes a lot of sense. So you basically figured out it's actually a nice sweet spot because of people in music and in maybe tech companies that are music in the same industry notoriously disorganized and if you can get a handle on SEO and all and the technical side and scale that and really get deep into but it also has to fit with how people are searching so what have you found that people generally music artists are searching for is it like ways to solve the problems that they're having with sharing music is it other stuff that surprised you what have you found it's mostly been around sharing because I've done loads of keyword research and a lot of the the more niche keywords, it didn't get any searches at all. Like the, you know, the amount of searches per month was terrible. So I'm like, oh, this is SEO. It's never going to work. It's never going to work at all. And so somehow it's more, I think, the broader content that moves around, which has then brought, you, you know, better domain reputation, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, again, I think you were talking recently about how you found out about that um, podcast platform for recording that you, I think you said you heard about it through someone else and then you signed up right away and started using it right away. And I think that's also the value of people coming from SEO. They know what they're looking for and you've got to find a way to present what you're doing as a solution to what they're looking for. Because they're ready to, not ready to buy, but possibly ready to sign up, use our, we're freemium. So people can sign up, try everything out for themselves and then upgrade if they need, you know, more advanced features. But that's the, that's been the big positive part of SEO is you see not only lots of people coming from SEO, but them also converting to free accounts. Awesome. I love how you said working in music, it's uncool to talk about marketing. That's eye-opening because I'm always in marketing. I'm like, you know, that's always what's on my mind. So it's, it's interesting. It's fascinating to hear that it's uncool to talk about it. But as soon as you get into tech, it's cool again. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> I think there's something there, though. Like, I love talking about the comparisons between music and tech because notoriously, musicians and record labels, they create, they make music. And then the tech people come along and devalue it down to zero. And, the, and, and this, this tense relationship hasn't worked for years. But the thing I love about tech is, and especially SEO is a great example, there is a lot of information learning, free learning available. People are very open about that because, of course, it's good for content marketing. So in tech, you can learn quite easily about what works and what doesn't work in other people's experience. But in music, it's a much more closed environment. I think people don't want to give away information about how they were successful, what worked for them. And that's why this whole how we listen thing came up. It's like, well, look, in tech, everybody talks about what works and what doesn't work. And why can't we do a bit of that Explain to people for no other reason that it's important to us, because we sort of believe in DIY, do it yourself. But the thing about marketing not being, it's not cool to talk about it. It's you meet so many people in music who've done it for ages. And they're a tad uncomfortable about talking about things in frameworks. Do you see what I mean? Like, so all the different marketing channels, even though it's what they're doing, they're sort of, um, or at least my impression is that they're sort of, they're doing what marketing, but they're not saying, oh yes, this is our marketing strategy and this channel is working. And what, <laughs> and so what we're trying to do is layer the creativity on top of the framework. And I think that's what sort of started to work for us. It's like, we're great at coming up with ideas. We've always been. There are people on our team that I've worked with for 20 years. 
and Colin, who runs our, who's head of our marketing, like we've worked together for years. He, he was the first, he hired me in my first job. But now you realize you need the key to success is having a framework that supports those ideas. Because if you don't have a way to measure and monitor and build and scale, you're not going to succeed. But it's bringing that viewpoint from music of creativity and merging it with a more robust marketing strategy or framework is really starting to pay off. And I love it. It's super exciting. I love talking marketing channels. Well, I love that you're starting from a place of creativity and you're trying now to merge that with the frameworks and placing that on top of the framework. Because I think earlier you had mentioned, like, how are we going to market this product? Is this B2B? Is this B2C? Like B2B is just, it just seems kind of old and stodgy and we don't really want to go in that direction. That just doesn't feel natural, right? So you're starting from a place of creativity comes easily, right? It's artists already, and I had the same thing with Patreon. When I had Patreon uh, head of global marketing on, it was the same kind of conversation where just the creativity and the content flows much more easily when you're dealing with a cre- more creative-focused company and, and content creators there. So I find that fascinating. Is, the, is this B2B? Is what you're building more B2B? Is it B2C? Like, what's the split with your business and who you're, how you're selling? Is it product-led growth? Is it not product-led growth? Tell me more about that. The podcast with Ramlet about product-led growth was insane because I'm listening to it going, is that – I thought that's how you build companies. I had no idea that – like – because the way I see it is, is that there's the holy trinity of sales, marketing, and app, you know, the, whatever the product is. And if those, it, historically, those types of businesses are like internet businesses, everybody's off competing with each other. The devs never want to talk to the marketing people. The sales people complain about everybody. And I thought, oh, well, the way you have a successful company is you all work together to accomplish some sort of goal, right? And I didn't realize that that's what you call product-led growth. But, you know, we've got two sides to our business. We've got the traditional music business side, which are people who work at labels. So managers or promotions people or people who do radio promotion, which is what I did, or TV promotion. People who work in sync, trying to get songs on films and, and TV. And again, those are the ones with the familiar email addresses. So you can do some sales there for sure. But they're very, very, everybody in music, very cynical. They don't want to be sold anything. So then on the other side, you have what I was talking about, these people that you want to attract via SEO possibly, are all these artists. And I wouldn't necessarily call them potential B2B customers because it's this idea of maybe prosumer, which has been, there's been a professionalization of artists where they do a lot more of the work themselves. They work hard. They don't have managers. So it's a scale of people who are just starting to make music to very large record companies. That was part of the problem before. We thought, oh, yeah, it's just people are just going to think we're B2B. And that really doesn't explain the breadth of the product. But the thing that they all have in common is that they, they want to be in control. They want to make decisions themselves. They don't want to hear from us saying, hey, do you want to buy? It's not, it does, like it just doesn't work. It's people want to discover things for themselves much in, in the way they discover music. They all are like, well, we have good taste. We know what we're doing. We know how we find out about what we're interested in. Leave us alone. Don't call us. We'll call you. 
Yeah, and that's interesting because isn't that one of their challenges that you just mentioned? Like they 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 want to discover things for themselves the way that they discover music, but music discovery is in and of itself a challenge. And that's why you're having people come onto your shows, your series, your events and talk about it and talk about how to connect the artists with labels or whoever, right? So that more people can discover the music. But this is the ultimate that's what's so interesting. This is the ultimate challenge, both in tech and in music, that you're trying to reach people in a lot of cases that you don't know exactly who they are. And you're trying to build a repeatable way to do that. And in create, like tech, I still think is very creative. So that's the same parallel with music that you need creative ways to reach people, but you need to make sure you can remember how you did it the first time. And figure out what knob you tweaked to do it again. And I think that is ultimately, so music discovery in music, how do I put myself out there as an artist or somebody managing an artist so that people hear who I am, uh, hear my music or hear the artists I'm working with is, is the ultimate challenge. Because it's very easy to get your music on, just like I'm sure you know with this podcast, it's very easy to get this podcast on a Spotify now compared to say 10 years ago. And that's a brilliant thing. I think it's super important that everybody has access. I think that's a great thing. But what it means is that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of podcasts, for example, or the stat is, it would, last year, the stat was 40,000 tracks a day are being uploaded to Spotify. That is now 60,000 a day. And so this is the struggle that artists are facing, but then also that startups are facing. There's more and more SaaS products, it's getting easier and easier to build. And so how do you break through that? And I love that, you know, dual world where there's a parallel both in tech and in music. And so you're kind of chipping away at that, right? You're figuring it out. And the way that it sounds like you're figuring it out, the way it's working for you is you're creating this content, right? You're you're doing these expert sessions and you're also really chipping away at your SEO strategy and your on the technical side. So Thanks for sharing that. So you, let's talk about your revamped website. Like, tell me more about, because I think you just recently revamped it, beta.com. And I have, I was saying beta, and I take that back earlier in the episode. So sorry about that. It's beta, and beta.com is this website. What was your goal with the revamping of the website? So first off, beta, don't worry if you say it wrong. It's the Swedish word for exchange, by the way. So what we did was we built this product. And we iterated it the whole way along. And a lot of that is due to the fact that it was essentially a side project. You never had any money to take on a full redesign in the way that you need to. And it's not necessarily just about money. It's about time and attention. And so when we got this funding last year, the first thing we thought was like, look, it's time for a redesign. We need a total refresh. But we decided what we would do is we would do a load of user research. We have a whole beta organization, which is, again, you know, we're getting it. We do a lot of community building. There's a lot of community stuff that goes around the events. And so we have a lot of beta, like a group of beta testers who do stuff. And so we knew the product worked in the way it was built in the, in the broad framework, but we wanted to make everything more intuitive and it was time for a total refresh. So we started last, God, last September and we launched it in August. So it took nearly a year. So it was not only a brand redesign, by which was done by my co-founder Jen who lives in Australia but also you know bring lifting the a lot of the features 
up more and making things a lot more straightforward. So it was, it was really, we wanted to, we need to do loads of refactoring to make it faster, all that kind of stuff. But the goal was really to take what we knew was good, but step back. You know, that's the real advantage of raising a bit of money is that you can step back and say, okay, what are we really working with here? And, it, and it's the same when you look at marketing, you take, you, you step back and you look at it from a macro point of view and you decide, okay, what has been working, what's not working. And that's what we needed. We wanted to do with the app and we knew we needed to do. And we included a lot of user feedback, people who use the platform. That was really nice to get that out. And the feedback's been amazing. So it's been worth it. It was hard work though. God, a, re- a redesign, you think, oh, you're just changing the logo. <laughs> like a year later, oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, totally. What would you say are, we talked about some of the really cool stuff that you're working on and like trying to become more of an authority in the music space. What would you say is, what are the challenges? Like, what are you still trying to figure out? What are you, what are you, I mean, there are tons of challenges, but maybe like, maybe like one or two that keep popping up and you're, you're trying to solve for. That's actually a very good question. There's tons of challenges. The biggest thing is focus because there's so much to do all the time. There's so much to do. And I think this is the ultimate challenge of being in a startup. And I, again, I, I talk about the money and the attention. It, it's that being able to just say, no, we're going in this direction because this is where we're seeing the best opportunities. That's a challenge. I think, you know, there's a challenge to be, oh God, I was going to say the word authentic, but it's the grossest word ever. To be sincere to what, there's loads of decisions we could make to move things in a certain direction. And, you know, I, I was sitting in a meeting today where it's like, oh, like what's our sort of, what's the narrative for what we're doing on this content piece we're working on? And it's like, we don't want to be like other companies. I spent so much time going to conferences and hearing people talk and thinking, you're just, this is terribly insincere. And I've, I've never done that in music and I don't want to do it in a startup either. So you're making decisions about staying on the right track for us, because I think it's, this has been a long road. Like, you know, our company has been a side project, slowly building and building and building. But we've made the decisions where we're best for our company. And that might go against what other people would do. People want to sacrifice, ultimately, their values about what's important and how they build a company and how they work in to try to further growth. And I think that's an, I, that works for some people, but it wouldn't work for us. So I think that's the biggest challenge. You want to move as fast as humanly possible, but you don't want to end up somewhere and think, ugh, what a gross place to be. And that's certainly how I feel. So it's the those two things in concert, I would say. Can you give me an example of a decision like that? Like you are, you're trying to keep everybody on track. What is taking you off that track? Or what are some of the things that might have come along your way to try to take you off track, but you still want to stick to your values? It's always easy from an app point of view, because lots of you know users show up and they say they want all these things. And they could have... A good example on that front would have been if we had built every feature that every user had wanted, we have, would have ended up being a very niche product. And we didn't do that because we wanted to be useful to a, the largest group uh, amount of people possible. And that's paying off because now we have loads of podcasters signing up all the time because it's, they have the same problems, the audio side. In the marketing side, I've got a perfect example. 
there's a woman I know who just right before the pandemic, she was in Stockholm and she does a lot of writings. Super, super smart woman. And she was telling me when I go to do research and I start Googling the subjects around music and music tech, I get extremely frustrated by all the low quality content marketing that is basically written just to rank. And that is something that we struggle with. You could easily start doing listicles and all the things that, you know, maybe we should be doing more of and different formats for our content. But the problem is, if it's not really valuable to the people who read it, it's only valuable because Google thinks someone might find it valuable. That is, I think, a good example for me that you do need to do some of, of that to bring in a broader audience. But moving in a direction where you're just making content for content's sake or trying to market to people because you think that's the way to do it because you've seen someone else do it and it worked for them is a difficult, it's a very, I find it a very difficult challenge to stay doing what you think is the best plan. What's a recommendation on, on how to do that? Like, do you have to go with your gut sometimes or what do you do? Like you're looking, you're searching, you're seeing these listicles, these other things that show up high in search, and you're like, this is low-quality stuff, and I want to write stuff that's more valuable for people. You just go off and say, like, this, my gut is telling me that I know what I'm talking about here, and then you go do it. Is that the way that you handle it? Well, you know what I do? Like, I do all these – another thing I do a lot of is I do workshops with artists, right? So, uh, you know, or managers, and I talk about my experience in the music business. And I find myself, we do things in our company. This has been, I haven't talked about this with anyone, but we do this in our company recently where we try something and it doesn't work. And then I think to myself, shit, I should have listened to what I tell artists when I do talks about how I got going in music or whatever. And I think the key is, is you need to remember what the goal is for you. We're not just trying to have a good month. We're trying to bring something that people need to as many people as possible. So a good month is one goal and the listicle infographic angle might work there, but it won't do what the second part is, which is the most important part. And that's build something and give something to people who need it. And I think that's the key. And I, that's what I would recommend to any artist or anybody wanting to work in music that sure, anybody can work in music if you want, but why are you doing it? What's the reason behind it? And I think if you can remember the motivation behind what you're doing, I think that's for uh, for us is the key to success, I think. I love that. It's not just about having a good month. It's more than that. You said it so well. What would you say are the, like, you're creative, your team is creative. What are some, what is like one really good idea that you or the team has come up with related to marketing within the past year or so? You know, the event idea was like, okay, let's just do it. And we did it. And it was really stressful. But then it suddenly forced all this extra content. We're doing a white paper about music sharing. No one's ever done a white paper around music sharing before, it seems. And when I read, you know, and so we were working with uh, somebody who did a PhD at McGill University, big music fan. And, you know, it was something that we, we said, oh, we're just going to do what we're going to do. it. But then I started reading, like, the survey results. And he's analyzing and stuff. And I think, oh my God, like I'm learning all this stuff that I even, I have all these hunches about the way our company, you know, our market, our market is and what would happen. And I think 
like not only is it a great thing because the goal is is to release this white paper so other people can learn more about it's not only just to further our goals as a company it's to let other people know what other people around them think of music sharing but to read some of the stuff and have some you know assumptions confirmed is brilliant because i again the key is if you don't have a lot of time what should you should be really thinking about is how can i get benefit in multiple different ways out of one piece of work so if if i do an hour's work how can i make it feel like five and i think that white paper is a great example it's always something we wanted to do we thought it'd be valuable from a press point of view from a content point of view but then there's always these benefits that you never expect and i love those surprises and so that's why like how we listen that's why i love it it's total surprise that it turned in all these other things and the white paper is a perfect example. There's always something, if you have a good idea, it brings a little extra that you weren't expecting. So that would be one example in the last six months. That's so interesting. Like the white paper, white paper can actually be, I don't know how you're going to build it, but it sounds like there's some fascinating survey results and you're like, you have hunches, you're finding it in the survey data. And it's basically sharing like, what's everyone thinking about music sharing, Right. And I love that you're you're thinking about the white paper, but not in like an old stodgy way. You're probably going to create some piece that is actually really fun to read and really interesting for people as they want to figure out how to actually do it and what's everyone around them, right? That's never been done before. I think that's awesome. It was so funny. We had a we were chatting about it today, and and we've got this well known music writer writing it. And we were talking about it and, he, and he's like, oh yeah, like if there's too many numbers, people are just going to be bored out of their minds. So it's like, because you do think of white papers, that is just the old school B2B marketing playbook, right? And it doesn't need to be a bad, like an old school bad idea. It can be something of value to people. And so that's, again, what our whole goal with any of our marketing is, and especially around how we listen. It's like, Give something to people that they can use for free. Just take it away like a piece of knowledge. And I think the more you can do that in your marketing, the better off you're going to be because you're not like, what is marketing? You're just talking about something that you know, and hopefully people realizing that that you're right or something. And then they learn to trust you. And then that's brand building and all that kind of stuff. Mark, you're a natural marketer. Not only are you a musician, not only are you a founder of a tech startup, but you are a natural marketer because we speak the same language and it doesn't even out. You didn't have to use the term white paper. I get you. We get each other. It's good. I know I like, but again, back to that thing about the way it is in music and stuff. I think it's super interesting to learn, to come to marketing from a different point of view and to see how it's done. And again, back to that, you know, the product like growth episode. It was just like, I'm listening to it. I'm thinking, oh my God, they're talking about all these things that we do that we don't even know the names for. It was an eye opener for me. It was an eye opener. I thought, oh God, we must be doing something right. These pros are exchanging super detailed stuff, you know, and mentioning all these big companies. Yeah, if folks want to listen to that episode, if you're in a product-led growth company or, or staff company, or it would definitely make sense. I think that's a great episode. It's with Romley John. You can go ahead and find that on the podcast and check it out. So, Mark, what would you say are some bad recommendations that you hear a lot related to, it could be, you know, related to being a founder of a startup, being a founder at a product-led growth startup with marketing efforts? What are some really bad recommendations 
a couple, a one or two that you've heard and you're like, oh, I just, you, this has to stop. Well, I've got a perfect one because I thought about this. And this one is universal. People who say, if you do this, that will happen. Everybody knows them. Oh, just do that. And then that'll happen. It's utter crap, ultimately, because everybody's in a different position. Everybody's coming at stuff from different angles. It's anybody who's going to tell you, oh, if you hire me to do this, I'll get that done for you. And you, you're going to know this. Every project is different. Every combination of people working on a project is different. Every musician is different. And I find, you know, when I go see people talk and they say, oh, yeah, I've got it. You just pay me, you pay me this money, and then I deliver you that. And nothing, sadly, nothing is that easy. I wish it was true. I wish it was true, but it never is. And so that would be my big piece of advice if you work in marketing, in tech, in music, anything. It's this idea that something is that simple. Nothing is simple. Nothing. That's why you really have to go in and maybe what makes it easier is using the frameworks. You start with your strategic frameworks that you know when you apply something like understanding users, doing user research, having beta testers, right? You know you're going to want that. Then you uncover the insights. Then you'll know to use those insights. But every single company has different insights. You can never say, if you do this, this will happen. If you say this, you'll get this result, right? That'll never happen. And then I wanted to ask you, if you could ask one question to a hundred of your peers in music, let's start with music. That's interesting to me. What question would you ask them? What are you like eager to figure out or to find out from them? So this was a question you sent me in advance and I cannot think of what I would ask. I just think it's a very challenging question. Like I think the one thing I sort of thought of, it relates to the last question that what is I see, so, so the this and that idea, right? So just do this and that will happen. Technically, it could work like that, but it's more of a, an accordion where in the middle, there's a million steps that whoever is saying that is forgetting to mention. And so if I had to ask anybody in music, I think I'd have to ask, oh, you were able to accomplish this. How did you really do it? Like not, oh, I just did this and then that happened. And I would, again, in tech, I, I think it would be the same thing. And marketing, again, would be the same. It's that you see or hear about certain things happening and you think, oh, that really went well or went hor- horribly wrong, maybe, because you learn from both situations. But it's like, can you unpack all the little details? Because, you know, content marketing, all the things we're talking about, you can achieve amazing results and come up with these great ideas, but it's never as obvious as you hope it to be. And so if I, if I was able to ask any 100 people, I think I'd want to have individual conversations say, hey, when that went really well for you, what really happened? Because that's the part that you need to know, the little details that, oh, the random, I went left instead of right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Always go left. Go right. You know, so that's, I think, the big thing I'd ask anybody. Well, Mark, that is actually why I started this podcast. So you basically got to the level of like the why behind modern startup marketing is because I wanted to ask people the same question. How did you really do it? How come you're able to raise funding? How come your content marketing is so engaging and so interesting and what's working really well? Like that's really what I'm doing. I think, and I wanted to ask you, are you also doing something like that with your interviews where you bring on people and you ask them that question too? Like if if they're experts 
that you're bringing on to your show. They're talking about problems, but they're probably also talking about how they're able to do specific accomplishments, right? Well, yeah, I like I whenever I talk to people, I'm always kind I, I like to understand, yeah, what really went down. And I can give you what I think is the key to that is that a lot of the people you meet, they just work at it really, really hard, really, really, really hard. And they try to visualize, they think, oh, well, I like I was interviewing a woman this week on our, well, maybe we can put a link in the, um, in the show notes. And she was saying, oh, like, I just wanted to work in music. So I went to everybody I could and said, I want, you know, how can I help? What can I do? And I think. I ask those kind of questions because I, I think I know the loose answer and that's just do it yourself. You just got to try. You got to keep going. You got to try. You got to learn. And I think I'm assuming that's maybe what you would get from doing this podcast. What's the answer people give you usually? Well, I don't ask the same questions and we went down a different path with you because I think we're, we're both essentially doing similar things in different ways, but thinking about in the same way, like the podcast is your pillar content, right? And you're starting from a place of a lot of conversation, right? A lot of content, and then you're going to chop it up. And you're also able to cover topics like the kinds that I like to explore is what's working well. So I don't really talk about this, actually, with any of my other guests, to, to be honest with you. because, And if I do, it's just it's probably like one-offs. I think what we have here in our conversation is like you understand why I'm doing the podcast. You're doing the same thing. Right. And there's there's the match there and, and we have the same goal. So can I ask you, though, of all these podcasts you've done, you must even if you don't ask a direct question, you must get a theme of what you think works. Are you able to uh, reveal even a highlight of that? I would love to write a white paper on it, Mark. <laughs> One day <laughs> you're working on a white paper and so am I. Well, that's really interesting. You asked me that. I'm thinking of either writing a white paper or writing a book or something because I have so much content from all these smart people just like you, founders of companies, marketing leaders from these startups that are achieving amazing like growth goals and, and even more than that, right? You, you're, they're achieving trust from their target audience, which is the, the ultimate goal. And yes, I am seeing patterns, but it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack and we're... <laughs> short on time here, but eventually you might see something from me where these are the patterns I saw. This is what I'm seeing. And it's B to C and it's B to B and it's both. And it doesn't even matter because it's startups that sell to people products that are and services that are enticing for them. And so that's definitely a goal of mine, but <laughs> to be well, continued. So in the show notes, we also need a link to sign up to your email list for when the book comes. So anybody who's interested in the book, sign up to the mailing list in the show notes. You're awesome. Like, I think I want to work with you. So we'll have to do that at some point because I feel like you're, I want to talk more about you, but you're talking about me and I love it. I love it so much. I'll include howwelisten.org in the show notes. Is there any other site that you wanted me to include in the show notes? Because I can do that. Yeah, beta.com would be good. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, if anybody wants to reach Mark, you can find him on LinkedIn. He's at Viznomics. Tell me about Viznomics. Why did you choose that name? Because you know that comic Viz in, in the UK? Like it's a super childish comment. 
and or comic and then the economist and i was sitting in a pub and i had both of them next to me and it's like it's just a name i've used for i've used for ages so you know highbrow lowbrow you know a little everybody likes a high quality hamburger and a mcdonald's hamburger every once in a while like it's all about the variety variety is the spice of life whatever you know i love it i love the creativity i love the spice and i love this conversation and I will include beta.com in the show notes as well, howwelisten.org. Mark, such a pleasure having you on the show. I'm so excited for you. I can feel the passion. I can feel the heart. I can feel the creativity. It's music after all. So it only makes sense. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It was brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firminov, or go to my website, firminovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.